This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to tune in today. Hey, I've got a terrific show lined up for you today. Joining me in the second and third segments of today's program, Mr. Peter Schiff. Peter was on the program uh, a little bit over a year ago. At that time, he predicted that the number one threat facing those who wanted to have a comfortable retirement was the devaluation of the dollar, or as we'll talk about today, and inflation tax. It seems that uh, his prediction was spot on, so we'll get his updated view today. Again, that's in segments two and three of today's program. Also, uh, what I'm going to talk about today in the first segment is that central banks, the same central banks that are printing money, are buying gold at a record pace. Now, I talk about this in the August newsletter, and clients of our company get a newsletter every month titled the You May Not Know Report. And uh, just because the article in this newsletter is very timely in my view, any of you who are listening today that would like to get a complimentary copy of the newsletter so you can read the article for yourself, go ahead and give the office a call. The number is 866-921-3613. I'll give that number again, and I will give it again at the end of this segment, 866-921-3613. And just ask for a copy of the August newsletter, and we'll be glad to get you a copy absolutely free. So in today's world, central banks control monetary policy. Now, in the United States, here's what that means. The Federal Reserve, which is a private group of bankers, the Federal Reserve is not a government agency. It's not an arm of the government. It is a private group of bankers. This private group of bankers known as the Federal Reserve sets money policies. Now, it's been this way since 1913. In 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was signed into law by then-President Woodrow Wilson, and it gave private bankers control of U.S. monetary policy. Now, since the United States also resurrected the income tax in 1913. 1913 is not a very good year in U.S. history, in my estimation. Now, over time, because these central bankers, this private group of bankers, controls money policies, over time, the currency that we use has changed from gold or gold and silver to paper money with no intrinsic value. Now, after World War II, as I'll talk about with my guest today, Mr. Peter Schiff, the United States dollar, the United States dollar became the world reserve currency. The world adopted the dollar for use in international trade because anyone who held dollars had the right, per this agreement, to exchange their dollars for gold at a rate of $35 an ounce. Now, that privilege to exchange dollars for gold was actually suspended in 1971 when then-President Richard Nixon went on television and said that due to the actions of international money speculators, 
it would be necessarily it would be necessary to temporarily re- suspend these redemption privileges. In other words, because these speculators were taking advantage of the United States, we can no longer exchange dollars for gold on a temporary basis. Well, a couple things wrong with what Mr. Nixon said, both not true. One, it wasn't international money speculators, currency speculators that caused the problem. It was the United States spending money recklessly in the 1960s and creating more money than they had gold to back. The second problem was that these redemptions were not temporarily suspended. They were permanently suspended. So since 1971, the U.S. dollar has been a fiat currency, which means the U.S. dollar is legal tender because the government, by decree, says it's currency, not because U.S. dollars have any tangible value. Now, that's the backstory. Fast forward to today, and central banks around the world are printing money like crazy with the Federal Reserve here in the United States leading the way. Now, history teaches us this will be a fatal monetary policy, as I'll talk about with Peter Schiff today. Money creation literally out of thin air always ends badly. Now, recently here on the program, I spoke with John Williams. Mr. Williams has the website shadowstats.com, and John is forecasting a hyperinflationary depression as a consequence of this policy. And if you'd like to listen to the interview, it is posted at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. And at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, We have a number of resources there, including past interviews. I would encourage you to go check it out. Now, Mr. Williams says policymakers today have two choices. One, they stop creating money out of thin air, or two, they keep doing it. Now, if they stop creating money, we immediately get, or almost immediately get, a deflationary collapse. That's not a good outcome. On the other hand, if they continue with these radical money creation policies that they're now pursuing, the hyperinflationary outcome will at least occur at some future point rather than immediately. So here is the reality. The brown matter will hit the proverbial air-moving machine. The question is, do we want it to hit now or do we want it to hit later? Well... These policymakers are following the same course of action that every politician has followed really for the last 50 years, and that is, let's kick the can down the road. Now, Peter Schiff, who is, again, my guest today in segments two and three, recently noted that central banks added in May nearly 40 tons of gold to their holdings. In fact, in 2019... Central banks bought 650 tons of gold. In 2018, they bought 656 tons of gold. And so far this year, have added 181 tons of gold to their reserves. Now, the World Gold Council says that they will likely continue to do this. Now, let me put that into perspective for you. One, when a central bank or a central banker decides to go buy a fiat currency, 
or go to buy gold, rather, they use a fiat currency to pay for it. So when central banks go buy gold, they simply print some money to go purchase it. So you have to think about the fact that the seller of the gold to the central bank is opting to exchange their gold, which has tangible value, for a fiat currency. Now, if you look at the numbers, you'll see this trend is going to have to be very short-lived. When you take a look at how much gold that exists and how much is mined each year, and compare the amount of gold that exists and is mined to the amount of fiat currency that's being created, you don't have to be an award-winning economist or be among the intellectual elite to conclude this trend cannot continue for very long. According to past guest here on the program, Mr. Alistair McLeod, the amount of fiat currency in existence has increased about 40% year to date. Now, according to the World Gold Council, to contrast that, just under 198,000 tons of gold has been mined throughout all history. Now, that sounds like a lot of gold, but it's not as voluminous as you might think that it is. This gold, all the gold in existence, if you put it into a cube, it would measure 71 feet on each side. Now let me give you a football field illustration to give you some perspective. All the gold in the world made into one giant cube would stretch from the goal line to just shy of the 24-yard line and be that wide and that tall as well. Now that's not much gold. And each year, global gold mining adds between 2,500 and 3,000 tons of gold to that total. So as the fiat money supply increased 40% this year, the gold supply increased about 1.5%. And by adding nearly 40 tons of gold to their reserves in May alone, just during the month of May, Central bankers invested in the equivalent of 13 to 15 years of gold mining production. This trend is unsustainable and cannot continue and will likely, in my view, continue to be bullish for gold and other tangible assets. For most of history, gold or gold and silver have been money. So why are central bankers going on this gold-buying binge over the past two and a half years? You have to ask yourself if they're preparing for some inevitable eventuality. Now, if you'd like to read that article from which I just gave you some information, you can call the office to get a copy of the August You May Not Know report. That's our August client newsletter. If you call the office, just ask for your free copy of the August client newsletter. The number is 866-921-3613. Just give us your name, let us know where to mail it, and we'll be glad to get you a copy. The office number again, 866-921-3613. And if you'd like to listen to any interview that I do, they're all posted at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Office number once again, 866-921-3613. I'll return after these words with my guest, Peter Schiff. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have joining me once again on today's program. He was a guest about a year ago and made some predictions at that point that uh, I believe are coming to pass. We'll talk to him about it. 
He is the founder of Euro Pacific Capital, as well as Shift Gold and his podcast. Uh, you can uh, tune in to shiftradio.com to listen to. Uh, Peter Schiff, welcome back to the program. Oh, well, thanks. A pleasure to be back uh, on the program with you. So, Peter, about a year ago, uh, you were on the program, and at that time you stated that you thought the biggest threat to investors and those dreaming of a comfortable retirement was the devaluation of the U.S. dollar, and it certainly seems like that is coming to pass. Uh, give me your take on how you see things presently. Well, yeah, another way to talk about that is inflation. I mean, what happens is the central bank, in our case, the Federal Reserve, inflates the money supply, prints more money. And when you have more money, that means that you need more money to buy stuff because prices will simply adjust to the level of money in the economy. So the more money that there is, the higher the prices have to be for the market to clear. Now, of course, you know, when the economy is very productive and more goods are being produced, the supply of goods could be going up along with the supply of money. And so there you won't actually see any price increases. But you have to realize that inflation is still robbing you of purchasing power because let's assume the Federal Reserve simply allowed a productive economy to increase the supply of goods and services in the market. If money supply didn't increase, well, then prices would actually fall. And so consumers would get the benefit of being able to buy more stuff for less money which is, you know, which is good. It means you have a higher standard of living. So the Federal Reserve has been able to convince everybody that that's a bad thing, that somehow if the cost of living goes down, that's a disaster. And to, so to save us from suffering that horrible fate of being able to buy more stuff for less money, the Federal Reserve is going to create enough inflation to make sure that prices go up a little bit every year. Uh, but actually what they are now doing is they're creating so much money that prices aren't just going to go up a little bit. They're going to go up a lot. I mean, they're going to go way, way up. And this is going to basically eviscerate the retirement prospects of the vast majority of Americans. I mean, most Americans who are retired now, let's say five years from now, the odds of them still being retired, I think, are remote. Or if they're retired, they're going to be retired in poverty, right? They're not going to be comfortable. And I think a lot of Americans who are planning on retiring soon, well, they're going to have to change their plans. They're going to be in the workforce uh, for many, many more years, maybe indefinitely, uh, because whatever they've managed to save up till now is going to be wiped out. And of course, um, your other pensions or your insurance policies, your uh, annuities, all that's going to get wiped out because the Federal Reserve is inflating like crazy. Right now, the government, the Federal Reserve, is printing 60 cents out of every dollar the federal government is spending. So more money is being created and spent than taxed. So the principal source of revenue for the U.S. government is now the printing press of the Federal Reserve. So, And this is just going to get worse and worse because we've got a Republican president now and a Democratic Senate, and that could change next year. We could have a Democratic president uh, and a Democratic uh, uh, Senate, and it, 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 you know, if, the, if the Republicans are spending this much money, imagine what the Democrats will spend, but there's no money to pay for it. So the Federal Reserve is creating the money. And, and, and so the problem is 
all this government isn't free, right? Everybody is looking at all this stimulus. They keep saying the economy's in trouble. We got COVID, you know, it's a wreck. The government needs to bail everybody out. The government, people need help. People need money. They need unemployment benefits. Small businesses need money. The hotels, the airlines, everybody needs bailouts. And nobody is asking who's paying for all this. I mean, where are we getting all this government? Who's going to pick up the bill? And it's not free. It's going to come through inflation. Anybody who has dollars, anybody who has savings, again, who has annuities, cash value, and an insurance policy, these are going to be wiped out. This is where the money is coming from. It's being stolen from the savers and given to the the new spenders or the debtors. So people need to act quickly. I mean, that's what I am doing with my clients at Europe Pacific Capital. I mean, you've got to get out of dollars as quickly as you can. You've got to invest in foreign stocks, precious metals. Look, gold's at two, almost $2,000 an ounce. It was above 2000 you remember, Dennis, where it was a year ago when I was on the show? Yeah, I think we were at about 1400 Yeah, and, uh, and so we're up substantially since then. But what that really means, it's not that gold is getting more expensive. It's that the dollar is becoming less valuable. And so you now need more dollars to buy an ounce of gold. But you're going to need more dollars to buy an ounce of everything. I mean, everything is going to get more expensive if you're going to pay in dollars. But if you have gold then your cost of living won't go up. It'll probably go down. Uh, But you can also buy gold mining stocks and you can buy other foreign stocks. As the U.S. dollar continues to sink, uh, I mean, it's going to drop like a stone. I think by next year, we could be in a full-blown dollar crisis. Uh, But before the bottom drops out of the dollar, take your dollars. And I buy uh, assets for my clients. I buy companies in Switzerland, in Singapore, in New Zealand, in Hong Kong, in Norway, other countries that have much more favorable macroeconomic characteristics. Uh, they don't have the trade deficits and the budget deficits that we do. So their central banks are not going to be creating nearly as much inflation as the Fed. And their currencies are going to retain more of their value, plus their assets are much better priced. And they're not in America. I mean, it's, the U.S. stock market is a very, very dangerous place to be because corporate taxes are about to go through the roof in 2021 if the Democrats win. Not just the direct corporate tax, but the capital gains tax, the dividend tax. And I think they're going to turn our corporations into social experiments. I think you're going to see the U.S. government mandating that U.S. companies prioritize their employees – and there are other stakeholders over their shareholders, and you're going to have all kinds of mandates for equality and, and uh, you know, that you have to have a workforce that's diverse rather than just a profitable company. So rather than U.S. companies hiring the best, they're just going to be hiring people based on their ethnicity. I mean, this is going to be a terrible way to, you know, to, to run, a, to run a, an economy. So if you're just joining us, we're chatting today with Mr. Peter Schiff. Uh, you can listen to his podcast at SchiffRadio.com. He's the founder of Euro-Pacific Capital as well as Schiff Gold. So, Peter, when, when you say pensions are going to be wiped out and, and, and this is all going to be, you know, we, we've got massive inflation coming, what does that look like in your view on a percentage basis? Are we going to see the destruction of the dollar? Are we talking 70s-style inflation in your view? How do you see this playing out? I think it's going to be worse in the 70s. And, you know, but it's a good analogy to go back and look at the 70s because the reason the dollar lost so much value during the 1970s was because we printed so many of them during the 1960s. So the 60s basically laid the foundation for the 70s with the war on poverty, the Great Society, uh, going to the moon, uh, the Vietnam War. We had big deficits, not big by today's standards, but big by the standards that existed back then. 
And the Fed started printing a lot of money, so much so that we ended up going off the gold standard in 1971 because we printed so much money, we didn't have enough gold to back it up. And so foreigners started demanding gold for their Federal Reserve notes, and we didn't have the gold, so we defaulted. And then the dollar really dropped. The dollar lost about two-thirds of its value versus the Deutschmark, you know, which Germany had at the time, the Swiss franc, the Japanese yen. And that's when the price of gold went from $35 an ounce to $850. You had a 20-fold increase in the price of gold as the dollar went, got marked down. And you know, oil prices went up tenfold. Oil was $3 a barrel at the beginning of the decade. It got up to $30. You know, so that was a big increase. And all that was because of the decline in the dollar. Well, we're set up for phase two of the dollar devaluation, but this is not going to be going off the gold standard because we've already done that. What, what's going to happen next is the world is going to go off the dollar standard because we got the world to adopt the dollar as the reserve based on the fact that we said it was as good as gold because the world was using gold as the main reserve. And we said, hey, why use gold? You're not getting interest on your gold. Use dollars. You can invest in U.S. treasuries. We'll pay you all this interest, and then you can get your gold whenever you want because the dollar is backed by gold, and it's convertible into gold at a fixed exchange rate. If you have $35, you can get an ounce of gold. So that was the deal we made with the world. And then once the world trusted us, we screwed them. Uh, and then you know the dollar went down, but the world continued to use the dollar as a reserve as if it was still backed by gold, but it wasn't. And that kind of gave us carte blanche to go on a global spending spree because now we could just print as much money as we wanted. We could run huge deficits. Americans could buy whatever they wanted, even if they didn't have the money. We can have this whole consumer-based credit bubble economy because the world was financing it because we could just export paper and import real stuff. What's going to happen now is the world is going to reject the dollar as the reserve currency they're going to recognize that the dollar's doomed. They're not going to be holding them anymore. They're going to go back to gold. That's what I'm thinking. The world is going to go back to gold as the primary reserve for their own currencies rather than U.S. dollars. And that means the party is over for America. We're going to see a massive collapse in the dollar's value. It's going to take the American economy, the standard of living, the financial markets down with it. Uh, and we're going to be forced to live within our means, which have been dramatically diminished over the decades. And I think the worst thing is the politics now. This massive economic collapse is going to be blamed on capitalism when capitalism had nothing to do with it. And the solution is going to be more government, more socialism. So we're just going to take a bad situation and make it a whole lot worse. So, I mean, I think people are going to get, again, eviscerated. This inflation tax, and that's what it is. Inflation is a tax. The government is printing money and spending it into circulation. So the people who get that money, it's like people getting welfare or any other government expenditure. But where are they getting that money? It's at the expense of the people who already have money. So the government can either take your money and give it to somebody else through taxation, or they can take your purchasing power and give it to somebody else through inflation. And that's what we're going to do. So, I mean, people have a small window of opportunity now to really contact me. You know, my, our website is europacpac.com, E-U-R-O-P-A-C.com, and get a portfolio. Transfer an, your, your pension, your IRA, set up an individual account. Get out of U.S. stocks, out of U.S. bonds, and get out of the dollar and build a real portfolio that will survive the inflation tax. The U.S. government can't tax you if you don't have dollars. The Fed can't tax you. The only currency the Federal Reserve can print is dollars. So that's the only currency that they can tax. If you have gold, they can't tax that. They can't print that. But if you have Swiss francs, they can't print those either. So you have to have assets that are outside the U.S. 
to avoid the inflation tax. Well, the clock tells us we're going to have to leave it there, but I will continue my conversation with Mr. Peter Schiff when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and I'm chatting today with Mr. Peter Schiff. Uh, you can listen to Peter's podcast at SchiffRadio.com. Peter's the founder of Euro-Pacific Capital as well as Schiff Gold. And, uh, Peter, uh, you uh, made a statement in the last segment that I thought was uh, – Remarkable. I was not aware that that was the number at this point. That right now, every dollar the U.S. government spends, 60 cents of that comes from the printing press, if I can use that term. So it's just created out of thin air. Um, how long? How long can that continue? I mean, obviously, the people that run the Fed are, are you, you would think, reasonably smart. Maybe this action shows they're not. But <laughs> don't make what, that assumption. Yeah. Well, why are they doing this? They, they know the end game is ugly. What, what, what? Don't they have no alternatives? I mean, why? Why are we doing this? Well, I think you actually answered your own question. They know the end game is ugly. That's why they don't want the game to end, right? So they're doing everything they can to postpone the end of the game even though everything they're doing is ensuring that it's even uglier when the game ends, they just want to keep kicking that can down the road and hope that it ends on somebody else's watch, right? That maybe they'll have a chance to leave office and it'll be somebody else's problem. Uh, But, you know, if you actually care about the economy, then you want to deal with the problems now. As bad as it is to deal with them, it's worse to deal with them later, Why make them worse? It's like when you're in a hole, right? That was an old saying. The first rule of holes is when you're in one, stop digging, right? (laughs) Good advice, yeah. We just keep on digging the hole. We don't want to stop digging because the minute we stop digging, we realize where we are. So, Peter, uh, give me your take on cryptocurrencies. There's so many people out there that, that advocate cryptocurrencies as an alternate store of wealth to the dollar and other fiat currencies, even metals. What's your opinion? Well, first of all, I don't think any of the cryptocurrencies represent a store of value or wealth or really a store of anything. Because in order to have to be a store of value, first you have to have value that you can store. right? So when you talk about gold being a store of value, why is gold a store of value? Well, because gold is a valuable commodity that can be used for all sorts of things. Right. I mean, I mean, obviously, a lot of people think of, oh, yeah, gold is used as jewelry. Right. So if I have an ounce of gold... I can melt that ounce of gold down or I can sell it to a jeweler and that jeweler can melt it down and make all sorts of jewelry with it, right? I mean, and that's probably half of the use of gold in in the economy is for jewelry. But the other half is in consumer electronics. Every cell phone has a little bit of gold inside in the chips, computer chips, all the chips. There's a little bit of gold in those chips. So gold is, is is the best conductor of electricity that we have on planet Earth. And so when you really need a good conductor, I mean, they use gold. Gold is used in dentistry. The best, uh, uh, you know, teeth are, you know, the, the, the veneer, not the, the uh, crowns and stuff. They have gold inside them. Uh, and, you know, there are all sorts of uses. Aerospace uses gold. Medicine uses gold. So the thing with gold is gold doesn't lose any of its properties over time. It doesn't tarnish. It doesn't rust. It doesn't decay. So if I have an ounce of gold and I put it in my, you know, shoebox, and then 10 years later, 20 years later, I take that gold out, it has all the same properties and all the same value that it has when I put it in that shoebox 10 years ago. So all that value is stored in that ounce of gold forever. 
In fact, if I die and leave it to my kids, you know, in 100 years, that gold is still, you know, it doesn't lose its property. So that's what it means by a store of value. You could take that value and store it for use in the future. Now, Bitcoin doesn't have any use. You can't do anything with your Bitcoin now. Uh, there's no, it's no, it's not used in any industry. You know, you can't make a necklace out of a Bitcoin. You can't make anything out of a Bitcoin because it has no substance. You know, it's, it's just a it, digital numbers, string of numbers. And, and so there's no actual value there. So when you're, when you're holding onto a Bitcoin, you're not storing any value. You're just holding onto this string of numbers. Now, Bitcoin has market value in that there are people who want to buy it. Right, so you have the market value, but you can't store market value because you have no idea what the market value is going to be in the future. There may be no market value. Maybe nobody will want Bitcoin in 10 years. You don't know that. Nobody wanted it 10 years ago because it didn't even exist or it was just started. Nobody knew about it. So what Bitcoin is, is a speculative digital asset, not a store of value, right? You're buying it because you think other people are going to buy it, right? And, 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 and they're going to buy it from you because they think other people will buy it from them and pay an even higher price. So to me, uh, these cryptocurrencies are more like, you know, pyramid schemes is what they are. Everybody's buying, believing that somebody else will buy in the future at a higher price. But eventually the music stops, like on all pyramid schemes, and the whole thing collapses. But, you know, they're trying to present or market uh, the cryptocurrencies. Uh, as, uh, as, as an alternative to gold, as digital gold. But they're not, because it's not digital gold any more than a, a digital house is, is, is an alternative to a house. I mean, you can have the nicest digital mansion uh, you know, in your computer program, but it doesn't give you, you can't live in it. You can't do anything with it. It's not the same thing as having an actual mansion, right? So digital gold is not the same as real gold, because we don't live in a digital world. We live in the real world. I can't do anything with that digital gold. You know, maybe my avatar can make some digital jewelry out of it. But um, so but but people are you know, trying to pretend that uh, these cryptocurrencies are the new thing because they want the price to go up. You know, you have a vested interest. You have a lot of people that own Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. And the only way that they can make money is if somebody else will pay a higher price for the ones that they own. So they're constantly trying to drive new buyers into the market. They have to keep pumping it, pumping it, pumping it so they can dump what they've got. And so you have this whole industry that's really trying to get more people in. And they're trying to do that by saying, hey, this is like gold. It's better than gold, right? But it's nothing like gold. It's fool's gold. So, Peter, in uh, some of the proposed stimulus packages after uh, COVID hit, uh, the whole idea of a digital dollar, that, that whole notion that the Federal Reserve would maintain a digital wallet for each American, that whole idea was floated. Uh, do you see digital dollars in our future? Um, well, you know, I think the dollar is going to collapse, but however it you know, reemerges, I mean, look, it makes sense in the digital age uh, that we can have a digital currency as opposed to paper currency. And in fact, for most of our transactions, we, it's all digital, right? Most of the things that you do, you don't actually rip out dollar bills you know, from your wallet. I mean, most of the stuff we're doing is you know, debit cards, credit cards, you know, uh, PayPal, or other forms of electronic transfers, right? So we're already there, right? So in order to fully go there, and they've already pretty much done this in China. You go to China now, and you can't pretty much buy anything. Everybody buys everything with their cell phone, you know, WeChat or whatever. You know, there's, if you just have cash in China, you, might, you can't, you know, buy anything. Nobody will take it. Um, and, you know, governments love this. I mean, this is part of the, what I don't like about 
the cashless society where everybody is just using uh, electronic money or, you know, is that the government basically can get a record of everything that you do. I mean, they know every, every, everything that you buy um, and they know where all the money is, you know, and so you have no real financial privacy, which really opens up the door to a very uh, oppressive government. You know, when, when I talk about the idea that we need privacy, people immediately think, oh, what, because you want drug dealers or you want terrorists or money? No, I just know that government can't be trusted. And, you know, if you have a corrupt government, then honest people become criminals, right? Once the government has all usurps a bunch of power and they're really oppressive and they're, and they're writing laws, making activity that should be legal, illegal, right? They turn law abiding people into criminals, right? So don't think that, you know, it's just criminals that need privacy because one day what you're doing now may be, de- may be uh, uh, determined to be criminal by a criminal government. So I don't like, you know, giving government power that I know can one day be abused. Even if we have good government today, that doesn't mean we won't have bad government tomorrow. And that bad government will have the same power that you, uh, you know, bestowed to good government. So that's why you have to be vigilant. You got to, you know, so I don't like this whole move to digital money, but governments are certainly going to push us in that direction. So, Peter, in the first segment, you mentioned also that you envisioned somewhere in the world that there would be a return to a gold standard. Uh, there are those that uh, doubt that the United States owns the gold that they uh, that they say they own. So, any likely candidates out there as far as what countries might return to the gold standard first, in your view? Well, I think they all will. <laughs> you know, I mean, because once there's, I think, once the dollar really gets killed then uh, I think you're going to see a loss of confidence in, you know, in fiat currencies in general, right? Because if the dollar can collapse, well, so can anything. So could the euro. I mean, so could the yen, right? I mean, they're all just pieces of paper. I mean, substantively, there's no real difference. They are, their, their, their value it, it mainly comes from faith, right? Because gold's, gold's value comes from the metal. Gold's value comes from all of the things that you can do with your gold, right? It's the most useful metal on the planet. But you can't do anything with, you know, a $5 bill or a $10 bill. I mean, you could try to light a fire with it, but it really wouldn't last very long. You could wipe your butt with it, but, I mean, there's a lot softer <laughs> paper that you'd probably use to, to do that. So, I mean, the, the actual – what you can actually do with the paper money, there's not a lot you could do with it. Of course – you know, if you have a $100 bill, it doesn't have any more use than a $1 bill, right? I mean, to the extent that you're going to wipe with it, I mean, you're not going to get any more out of a 100 than you will out of a 1, right? So there's no, it doesn't matter how, how big the number is. It's just a piece of paper. What gives it value is confidence. People, people know that, oh, somebody will give me 100 times as much stuff if I give them $100 than if I give them $1. But why? Is there anything different between a $100 bill? I mean, there's a big difference between 100 ounces of gold and one ounce of gold because you could do as, you could do 100 times more things with 100 ounces of gold than you can with one. But you, there's no difference between what you can do with a $100 bill and a $1 bill. The only difference is people perceive. People will today give you 100 times more stuff in exchange for your $100 bill than they will for your $1 bill. But what if, what if they don't? What if nobody wants uh, uh, dollars in the future? No matter how many zeros are on there, I mean, you could look at these Zimbabwe dollars, these old ones, and you know, 100 trillion Zimbabwe dollars. I mean, people didn't didn't matter how many zeros are there. Um, uh, so 
when confidence gets lost in in paper currencies, um, you know, what are you going to do? How how do you convince the public to 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 accept this or to save this currency? And you back it by gold. Now all of a sudden you tie the currency to something that's real. Okay, you know, right now the you know uh, the Australian dollar is backed by the U.S. dollar. Okay, well, what's the U.S. dollar backed by? Nothing. Okay, well then the Australian dollar is backed by nothing. Right, you know, you can't back something with something backed by nothing. But all of a sudden, if the Australian government says, "Okay, the Australian dollar is now backed by gold," okay, now I know it has some value. <laughs> you know, there's a reason to have confidence in it. You know, and you know, we got gold behind it. And you know, for every you know whatever the exchange rate is going to end up being, for every thousand Aussie dollars, you know, or ten thousand dollars, whatever it's going to be, you can get an ounce of gold and just kind of set that price. And now, okay, we know that it's worth. And, and so that's where I think the world is going. I mean, and that's where we were. I mean, people don't remember this because most people really weren't alive before the dollar became the reserve currency. But you go back prior to Bretton Woods, you know, really prior to the Second World War, um, you know, we were all using gold. That was, you know, every, every country had gold and, and, and that was what backed up its currency. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Our guest today has been Mr. Peter Schiff. You can listen to his podcast at SchiffRadio.com. Peter, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. We will return after these words. This is RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. And thanks again to my special guest this week, Mr. Peter Schiff, for joining me on today's program. As I mentioned at the beginning of the first segment, I'm talking to you today about some topics that I have written about in our August client-only newsletter. Uh, If you would like to get a copy of the August newsletter, I'd like to offer you one on a complimentary basis so you can read the information for yourself. If you'd like to get a copy of the August client newsletter, just call the office and tell them you'd like one. The number is 866-921-3613. The number again, 866-921-3613. So what about this V-shaped economic recovery? Is it happening? Are we seeing economic recovery? I would argue that the evidence shows that We are not going to have a V-shaped recovery. Just last week, it was reported this past Thursday that for the first time in 20 weeks, new unemployment claims were under 1 million people. Fewer than 1 million new unemployment claims for the first time in 20 weeks, and the commentator said, that's positive news. That's crazy. Since COVID hit, We have seen over 50 million claims, new claims for unemployment. In January, you would have said that's not possible. This is not positive news. At a certain point, the numbers are going to have to bottom. Secondly, when you look at what's happening to real estate, particularly in high-tax states and in highly populated areas, you're seeing real estate prices start to decline. New York real estate, which is often the canary in the coal mine when it comes to real estate prices, declined in the second quarter of this year. In fact, according to Fox Business, 
New York City landlords began to discount rent in the second quarter to try to attract tenants. Rent prices were discounted across 35% of properties in New York during the second quarter. In fact, the median asking price for rent fell by 6.7%. In dollar terms, that's a decline of about $221 a month or $2,652 per year, which also speaks to the prices of rent in New York. Consumer spending is also down. This is bad news for a consumer spending dependent economy like the United States. Transportation services spending in July was about 20% of the level in February. Consumer spending on club sports and entertainment rose a bit in July from June, but it's still at about 40% of levels we saw in February. Spending on hotels, about 60% of the level seen in February. And spending on gambling and lotteries is at about 30% of February levels. And interestingly, spending on hospitals has not increased. Small businesses around the country continue to close. The lockdown response to COVID has been economically devastating. Over the past couple weeks, new unemployment claims stand at about 2.3 million. Prior to this year, the all-time record for a single week was just 695,000. So unemployment levels are absolutely catastrophic, and many states are now rolling out new restrictions, and new lockdowns. That will have a continued huge impact on economic activity. At the end of June, 19% of all U.S. small businesses were closed. Today, that number is up to 24.5%. Now think about that number for one minute. Nearly a quarter of all small businesses in the country are closed. And the really bad news is that many of them will never end up reopening. The review site Yelp says that a whopping 60% of the restaurants that were initially listed as temporarily closed on their site are now classified as permanently closed. Bars and clubs also being hit extremely hard, according to the same website Yelp, 44% of the bars and clubs on their site that were initially listed as temporarily closed have now been shut down on a permanent basis. Back to New York City, it's being projected that one-third of all small businesses will never open again. Now, when you hear politicians say, get back to work, the reality is for millions and millions of Americans... The jobs that they once had are gone forever. So to expect that this recovery is going to be V-shaped is more of a dream than it is a reality. Going into COVID, the economy was not as strong as many purported it to be. And the economic damage that has been done as a result of the response will not be repaired quickly. So this will not be a V-shaped recovery. And as I talked about in the first segment, 
the Fed's response will likely be to create more money out of thin air. So my question to you is, what are you doing to protect yourself? We have some resources at our website, Retirement Lifestyle Advocates, to help educate you, to help you figure out what you should be doing. And I'd also like to invite you to get a copy of the August version of our client newsletter titled the You May Not Know Report. If you'd like to get a copy of that particular issue, all you have to do is call the office at 866-921-3613, and we'll be very glad to send you a complimentary copy. Just let the receptionist know you'd like a copy of our August client newsletter, and she will be very glad to get a copy out to you. The number again, 866-921-3613. That's my program for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week. Have a great week.